Hi, I'm Ryan the Bemused Rules Guy. I'm Helen, the Intrigued Storyteller. And today we're back with an intermezzo between Season 1 and Season 2. Today we're going to be talking about weird rules. Not necessarily bad rules, though some of them are, but rules that make you stop and wonder why they put that in there. Or are just like, wow, what a weird thing. Yeah. So, Ryan, why don't you start us off? Sure. So... I'm going to tell you about Vile Damage and Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, which, yeah, it's its own thing, to explain why there's 3.5. They put out a supplement book called The Book of Vile Darkness. Ooh. Yes. And it was supposed to be, like, the R-rated, actual horror, real evil stuff. Kind of like how White Wolf had Black Dog as their R-rated line. Right. And it was full of, as you might imagine, lots of necromancy and enchantment and all the kinds of things you would imagine, like, that someone who truly evil in a fantasy setting would be. Well, one of the things they introduced was vile damage, and it was supposed to be wounds from things that were so corrupt, so antithetical to life, that the only way you could heal it was to rest in hollowed spaces. I actually kind of like that. That's, yeah, it's an interesting idea. idea. However, the problem that they did not foresee is the supernatural things that could do vile damage generally couldn't enter hollowed spaces. So the best way to fight them was to use vile damage. The evilest type of damage. The evilest type of damage, yes. Sure. Also, it really emphasizes that it's not good when they fight each other. Yeah. Unless you have, there are unhallowed spaces that count the same for their purposes. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe one of those, like, two negative numbers make a positive number. Two evil things fighting is good. I don't know. Maybe. 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 That's a bigger question than the rule, That's though. a bigger question. Yeah. We're going to... Let's move on to the next one. Sure. So, in Werewolf the Apocalypse... Is there an edition on this? Or which edition... I think it was third? It was before the anniversary edition. If we seem confused, it's because Werewolf the Apocalypse is like a 20-year-old property. Over. Over 20-year-old property. Um, Good lord. Yeah. It was one of the older editions. I think it was third. It might have been second. There was a power, a gift. It was a gift that lets you make one of the four elements, right? Sure. So, fire, water, water, air, earth. The problem was the amount you generated was based on weight. Oh, no. So you make a pound of earth. Great. You make a pound of water. Great. I hope you had something to, like, catch it in. But how much is a pound of air? Okay, well, so you can actually do some of that math. So some people That's, did. Yeah. It, it's, it's pretty impressive. But more importantly, how much is a pound of fire? Good Lord. And they don't really... It's just there. Just there. A pound of fire. You generate a pound of fire. Everywhere? Someone actually sat down and tried to do the math for how much... How is, much is a pound of how fire? How much is a pound of fire? It's a lot. Yeah, I bet. It's a lot. Okay. Um, and I assume this was a very, very, very powerful gift that you had to be like a very high level. No. No? It was an introductory It gift. was an inter... Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just running around setting entire states on fire. Yeah. It was not the best thought out. You know, the kind of thing that Cleath get up to. Oh, those Cleath. Yes. All right. All right. So next, I want to tell you about training bonuses in Pathfinder 1st Edition. Okay. And they actually make sense, but only once you have the context in place. Why don't you tell me the context then? Sure. In Pathfinder, when okay. the first time you put a skill rank into a skill, sure. you get a plus three bonus. Okay. Like the, the, the rank adds in normal, but you get an additional plus three that just sticks around. It's the idea that you can roll it with just your attribute bonus, but if you're actually trained in the skill, it's a little bit more? 
sort of that's kind of what it was going for. It, it morphed into in okay. later editions of D&D-esque products. What it came from is from third edition Dungeons and Dragons. Oh no. At first level in third edition Dungeons and Dragons, you got four times your regular number of skill points. And you could take a skill up to rank four, first level. And then every level after that, you, you got some more and you could like spread them out and your cap on all their skill ranks went up by one each level. So when they made Pathfinder, they looked at it like, why do it that way? Why not just, because all, all you're doing mechanically is giving them a plus three bonus if they wholly invest in it. Why not just give them a plus three bonus once they put a, a point into it? I guess, yeah. 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 So that they just simplified it with that. But if you had never played third edition, you're just reading through Pathfinder. Like, why is what, this happening? Why do you get a plus four when you put your first skill point? In? Why four? Why not five? Like that's a really arbitrary number. It makes sense. In it makes sense in context. Right. Okay. Um, and because it also lets you have the difficulty numbers from third edition still work in Pathfinder because the, the math still sure. carries through. Sure. So you could use sure. all the old modules and stuff. Yes. Unlike the, the how things transition between Pathfinder and fifth edition. D&D &D, yeah. in which you yeah. should absolutely not just send an unmodified Pathfinder yeah. into 5th yeah. edition. You'll eat the part. I want to go now. Okay, I want to do go one. Ahead. Okay, so I love Changeling the Lost. Mm -hmm. One of my first real games that I got to play with people was Changeling the Lost. Sure. First edition. And it's a doozy. So one contract. Contracts. Uh, the contracts are, you know, in standard World of Darkness format. There are five contracts right. for a given group and in the older editions for new world and old world you bought them sequentially so right. you would run into the inevitable problem that people really didn't want the first two of a contract they right. wanted the third yeah. because it was really good but they had to get the first two right even if the first two did something like for instance the first one was okay and the second one was a better version of the first one still gotta buy that first one still gotta buy that first one and then that's it yeah. right so like in the contracts of smoke for instance wrong foot is the name of the contract it allows you to pick when you take the contract mm -hmm. what your footprint or track is going to be so for instance this is a game about the fae perhaps the scent of curdled milk follows you perhaps rather than footprints you leave hoof prints or slime or whatever well, you know that's very evocative it is very evocative and it makes sense and the contract even says this is generally more of a calling card situation than an actual hide your trail situation right. as your for instance ryan your uh, your character who was a raccoon person and left little peanut butter paw prints everywhere. Yeah, that yeah. was real good. That yeah. was real good. Anyway, the next one is Never Tread. Okay. Uh, never Tread. You just don't leave prints. That seems really useful. That's really, that's so useful. Yeah. Like one time I was playing that and the characters ran into the cops and didn't leave fingerprints. Yeah. Because good Lord, a changeling doesn't want someone to run their fingerprints. Good Lord. The last, I want to talk about one more. Sure. Out of, no, change, out of changeling book. The one. So each of the different seemings of the six seemings had a special set of contracts that they got sure. at, at a lower cost right. for ogres, the more of a off the rack fighting. They had the contracts of stone. Contracts of stone tended to be, I hit harder, I'm stronger. Sure. I do more stuff like, you know. Ogre-y things. ogre things. One of them, very critically, it had one of the easiest healing contracts, self-healing contracts in the game. Hmm. And it was called Gluttonous Feast of Health. Also an evocative name. Very evocative. What you would do, you would make the initial contract roll mm -hmm. uh, out of your dice pool 
for every success, you could downgrade up to two levels of lethal, I think, to mm -hmm. a level of bashing and a level of aggravated damage to two levels of bashing, which... That's real good. That's real good. Like, if you're not familiar with uh, New World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness, aggravated damage is very difficult to heal, even supernaturally. So this was real good, which is to say every combat character took it. Right. The thing is, to use this contract, the character must spend at least an hour eating. Not per success or anything, just at least an hour. Hence the gluttonous feast part. And the contract does make the point that it doesn't matter whether this is a five-course meal, it doesn't matter whether this is fast food. Right. So the result is that if you played in, say, a LARP of mm -hmm. Changeling the Lost, like I did, following the combat, like the 15 characters who were just in combat all go, alright, now we all hit up the Chinese buffet because they got a lunch special. So it's pretty much just all the combat characters in Changeling bouncing between whatever lunch buffet hasn't kicked them out yet. It's very um, Homer Simpson. Yeah. In fact, I think there was an episode where he, he sued a seafood restaurant because it was not actually all you can eat. Well, there was also that episode where he went to hell and he had to eat all of the donuts. Yeah. And he upset the demon that was torturing him. Maybe Homer did. was an ogre. That would actually explain a lot if you make all the different Simpsons characters changelings. It would. Oh, anyways. It could be in Arcadia, too. That would explain a lot, too. It would. All right. Why don't you go on? Sure. So I'm going to tell you about Familiars in AD&D. Okay. Uh, it's a level one spell that wizards get. Sure. You cast it. Familiar. It's a classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And an animal. And uh, you're supposed to roll, actually, to see what kind of animal shows up based on, like, what's around. But, you know, a small animal of some court. Maybe a cat. Maybe a toad. Maybe an owl. Whatever. And you, you make a permanent bond with this familiar. Yeah. And if it ever dies, you lose three hit points from the top, from your maximum. Goes down by three. Forever? Forever. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, don't let your familiars die. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. But you get a familiar. But you get a familiar. Yeah. It, what does it do? Well, it's a small animal that loves you. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, so at least it, there's no reason to send it into combat. No. No, it was That's definitely good. not a combat yeah, 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 character. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Well, like, so now you you get worried in, in more modern editions of D&D, &D, like, well, I don't want to send my buddy into, right. you know, but then it's like, okay, well, but sure, but you're a Beastmaster Ranger, which means that if you don't send your buddy into combat. Right. You know, you're not using your archetype. You're not using your archetype. Yeah. You gotta get a pet. You get a pet and that, it loves you. That, you know, you lose health, hit points if it dies. And this is AD&D, &D, yeah. so. You're a wizard, so you're rolling a D4. For hit points. So hit, yeah, you may have yeah. fewer hit points. Yeah. You will just die of sorrow. because Potentially, yes. Okay. Now I'm going to talk about another one. Initiative in the old World of Darkness games. Okay, so, which which edition are we talking about? All of them. All of them. All of them. Across okay. the board. Okay. So we're off the Apocalypse, Vampire the Masquerade... Changing the dreaming. Sure, but like this is the this is the older tabletop stuff. Yes. This is not any Correct. of the recent stuff. Correct. Correct. And all of them. Okay. The way combat worked. Everyone rolls initiative, which is like wits plus athletics or awareness or something. It's some dice pool. Higher successes, they go first and you go down the list. Okay. But you got one action and defending yourself wasn't free. It took an action. So if someone rolled to hit you, unless you took an action to dodge, they only needed one success to hit you. There was no passive. Defense. There is no passive defense. There's no, you have to take this many dice off of your hit because nope. they have a defense. There's nope. no, you have to hit this number. Nope. There's no uh, soak. Well, they, there is if you dodge. If you dodge. Yeah. Sure. But there, There is soak. So just soaking the damage really became your passive defense. So mm -hmm. most fights were just, everybody runs up and just starts hitting each other as hard as they can. And whoever falls down. 
Outlast wins, which has really benefited the werewolves. I mean, that's pretty standard. That is a running theme in all of World of Darkness. Yeah. You know, go but first and do act. The thing was, I was yeah. reading the 20th anniversary edition of Mage. Sure. And, you know, I hated this mechanic of no passive defense. I hate it. Also, they had multiple actions, but we're not even going there. Oh, God. Um, so I was checking out the combat section to see, like, all right, well, do they fix this problem? It's the anniversary edition. Maybe they patched it. They did not. But they were very clear when they explained it. Like, this system doesn't work unless you reroll initiative every turn. Because otherwise what happens is the poor dude at the bottom is like, all right, well, I didn't want to die, so I guess I'm not going this combat. Right. And the assumption was, like a, a cinematic duel in a movie, initiative changes every round, and if you're not going first, you're probably spending your action to defend if anyone attacks you. Right. And then it, it might change later. Yeah. But no one ever did that. So it was just, if you go first and you hit hardest, you win. Well. Which, I mean, that's kind of realistic, I that guess. That is the world of darkness, yeah. Yeah. Go first, do act. Go first, do act. All right, I want to do one now. Okay. I want to do another one. We're going to go back to the World of Darkness, but this time we're going to come to a more recent World of Darkness. Okay. The uh, By Night Studios LARP rules Ooh. for Vampire the Masquerade. Mm -hmm. All right. For just the little bit of context, one of the things they tried to do in this game to try and help characters who may have the same template, you know, vampires of the same clan, mm -hmm. same sets of basic di base disciplines, right. to kind of help them differentiate themselves a little more you know it's not so much of a big deal if you're all sitting at a table and there are five of you but if you're in a larp and there are 30 people in the room you know you want to be a little bit different than I, everyone okay. else so they gave you specialties for your attributes your okay. so physical mental social your main attributes in the different subtypes you could specialize sure so charisma for instance or manipulation for in, social for social sure or wits or intelligence for for mental mm -hmm. and then just any of the physical so strength, stamina, dex, sure, and, and sure. they did different things. And whatever disciplines you took would have a special mechanic. So if you have a certain type of attribute specialty, sure. it would change how that discipline worked for you. Okay. So, you know, you might have two different Malkavians, but one of them has a manipulation specialty and one of them has a charisma specialty. Sure. The disciplines usually had a mix of attribute sure. specialties within even a single. So it will benefit the manipulation focus and the charisma focus mm -hmm. Malkavians both, but in different sure. ways. Sure. And the way this bears out is that the charisma focus Malkavian, if they manage to get to the final discipline in the dementation tree, okay. this is of course the tree where you force people to have mental breaks and derangements and everything like sure. that. If they finally get to total insanity. I'm liking the name. Yeah, it's a good name. In addition to being able to cause a sudden break for sure. the character to cause them to you know there are the associated mechanics of the contract but if you have the charisma focus you can cause the target to lose all access to all of their mental and social foci the attribute specialties the attribute specialties which is to say remember how your characters had access to these powers in the special different way mm -hmm. the entire time you've been playing them yeah i hope you remember how those powers are at default because now you have to figure that out again Ooh. yeah the real reason why this power is scary is because all of a sudden your sheet works completely differently and you have to figure that out yeah yeah that's scary that's a problem that's a real problem 
Oh well. Alright, I'm gonna tell you about the last one that I have, and it's my favorite. It's not even a rule. It's just the the flavor they put on it, and mm-hmm. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. So in Shadowrun 5th Edition, you could get tailored pheromones. They were a, a type of bioware that you get implanted with, and they improve your social roles, right? People like, and they don't really understand why, but you know, if they're near you, they seem trustworthy and charming and nice. That's so weird. Yeah. But also very Shadowrun. Yeah. But my favorite part, the part that makes me bring it up here is, it works on you too. That's mind-boggling. So when you get tailored for moons, your self-esteem improves because you like yourself better. Okay. And I've really wanted to play a character who like used to work for the corporation and hated his life. He worked a nine to nine job like everybody else, tired, he was slowly losing his mind. And then he just he was gonna get some Taylor Fairmode, and golly, he deserves better than this now. And he, he does. He becomes yeah. a shadow runner because you know, you know what? I think I can do better. And it, his life entirely changes because he got these Taylor Fairmodes and it started this the cycle of him becoming a competent person. And I wanted to play that character because I love that. I love that's so great. I, I didn't take this to make me more charming to you. I took it because I deserve it. It's like that, it's like the little plug-in that you get when you have lots of cats in the household and you want everybody to get along. So yeah. It's the pheromone yeah. that makes them all yeah. more comfortable. Yeah, except it's for you. That'd be great. Yeah, it would. Wouldn't yeah. It? All right. Okay. Well, uh, you know, and again, these rules don't necessarily make the game bad. Oftentimes, weird rules, the weirder shit that we find in games, it's like this is part of what makes it, you know, unique, what makes it fun. Yeah. And it can inter- lead to interesting ludo narratives. And like, well, this is how the mechanics work. How does that reflect in the story? Yeah. Also, good use of Ludo narrative there, dear. Thank you. I'm I'm gonna make it happen. You're gonna make it. I'm happen. gonna make it happen. All right, we'll get you a shirt. Well, I'm Ryan, the bemused rules guy. I'm Helen, the intrigued storyteller. And thank you for joining us for this interseason content. We will be back next week with a little bit more as we ramp up to season two.